How did players Keontae George hopes to emulate fair in the summer league and early in their careers? And how possible is it, is it for Keontae George to follow in their footsteps? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Locked on Jazz. I'm Leif Tulane with you here for another week. Excited and honored to be back with you as always. And you guys know me now, but I'm a lifelong jazz fan, credentialed NBA draft analyst for Locked on NBA Big Board, attendee of the Combine, attendee of the Summer League, and someone who wants the jazz desperately to succeed. Uh, the jazz have entered that critical juncture where they're building their franchise and they've got someone in Keontae George that figures to be in a crucial part. And we're going to explore what he can do and what the Jazz can do to make themselves contenders in the next little window to compete. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube on Locked On Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is, how many points per game will Keontae George average as a rookie? I asked you about minutes yesterday. I looked through some comments. I, I didn't quite get to that, but I told you what I thought his, you know, likelihood of how he's going to play, the amount he's going to play, it's going to vary. But so let me know what the points. And the reason I ask that is because I'm going to talk about some players today that Keontae George may want to emulate in his career that he's been compared to, and they've been lofty comparisons. And I'll talk to you about how they played early in their careers and their prep careers. So I'll tell you what, what's on the show's docket. In the first segment, I'll talk about my original comparison for Keontae George that I made it about a year ago today when I watched him play in the U23 games against Canada. Keontae George was playing with a la uh, Baylor team lacking the two starting backcourt members along with Keontae George, and he was sensational. I was like, my goodness, this guy's Jamal Murray. So I'm going to tell you about Jamal Murray. Outline his player development from prep to pros and how it similarly adheres to what we have seen from Keontae George on all three levels in prep, that's high school, college, and in the NBA thus far for Keontae George. In the second segment, I'll discuss two other common Keontae George comparisons in Bradley Beal and C.J. McCollum and their routes to stardom and how feasible it is for Keontae. And in the final segment, I'll discuss where I see the Jazz ranking in the Western Conference hierarchy, which, spoiler, is pretty busy. All right, let's dive right in. Jamal Murray is now regarded as a world champion, second option, a pseudo-star, Though he's made no All-Stars, everyone thinks of him as an All-Star caliber player, and he's been really good for a really long time, pretty much since he's entered the NBA. That's what you'd think, but let me let me go through what he really is, like what how he's built his brand. He's Canadian, but he was ranked as a very, very highly regarded player. Went to Kentucky at the 2015 Nike Hoop Summit, which ironically enough, young 14-year-old Leaf decided to watch. And I remember thinking, this guy's unbelievable. Kentucky's going to get a steal. Well, he was the MVP. And he also, ironically enough, if I remember correctly, played with Nikola Jokic um, the year before. And they were on the same team for Team World against Team USA. And now they're teammates, obviously, and they won a world championship. Well, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Murray scored a game-high 30 points and was named the MVP of the 2015 Nike Hoop Summit for Team World, uh, as he is a Canadian. As a freshman in 2015-2016, he was featured on the midseason top 25 list for the John R. Wooden Award and was named to the 35-man midseason watch list for the Naismith Trophy. He appeared in all 36 games, averaged 20 points, 5.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists, while shooting 41% from three-point range. Following his freshman season, Murray was named a third-team All-American by the Associated Press. 
and Murray made the All-SEC first team and the All-SEC freshman team. He was then selected seventh by the Denver Nuggets. All right, those are pretty sensational accolades, and, you know, he was good for a long time. He was good at every level. For comparison, Keontae George was a consensus five-star recruit and one of the top five players in the 2022 recruiting class, according to major recruiting services, but he was sixth by ESPN, so if we're going for consistency, very similarly ranked players. Uh, he was the freshman of the year in the Big 12, led the Big 12 freshman in scoring, set Baylor's record for most 20-point games by a freshman. He had 12 of those, had the sixth-best scoring average in all of college basketball for freshmen, and he was uh, and he was picked 16th, obviously, by the Jazz, and he's tearing up the Summer League. You guys know that. Keontae George also uh, was the best player on his U18 team. He was also the best player in the three-on-three USA, and he was the best player – for Team USA, which was effectively a Baylor Baylor team when they played against in U23. So at all levels, these guys have excelled. Now, how did Murray fare when he entered the league as the seventh pick? His rookie year, Murray played all 82 games, which is really impressive. He scored 10 points per game and a touch over two rebounds and two assists per game. Mind you, this is the seventh pick of the draft. You typically hand the keys over to that type of player. Shot 40% from the field and 33% from three. Murray's an unbelievable shooter. That's not particularly good. That shows how difficult the NBA is. That's, the NBA is hard. He only started 10 games, averaging 21.5 minutes per game. Uh, Murray is a 20-per-game career score, 20 even, 20.0. And that's exactly what he was at Kentucky, 20 a game. And he did so immediately as a freshman. So, like, he had high expectations right away, and, and he was – like scoring 10 points a game off the bench, starting 10 games, playing less than half a basketball game. So let's temper expectations for a guy who's picked 16th with a bit of a log jam in front of him. It would be my point with that. I'd advise that just, just that to temper expectations with George, despite the amazing showings in summer league. That said, like I said yesterday, and the every, every day has heard that guys who pop in summer league, that means something, especially when they pop as rookies uh, for context, the Jamal Murray led, Nuggets that in years past were not Jamal Murray led that year. They were 40 and 42, which is a mediocre team. As you guys know, the starting point guard was a split between Emmanuel Moutier, who you guys know as jazz fans, wasn't particularly good. And a washed up Jameer Nelson. Like this was not the Jameer Nelson from the 09 magic team that made the finals. This, this was far from that. He, he wasn't very good. And they, they, him and Moutier each had about 40 starts. So that's not too dissimilar from the jazz situation. I think Sexton and THT, are a little bit better than Emmanuel Moutier, though they're limited. They're better players, but, you know, they it's the same idea. Like, Sexton and THT are young, and you're going to ride the the youth, but they're not really true point guards. Emmanuel Moutier was a previously a seventh pick, and they wanted to see if they could cultivate that seventh pick before playing the new one. Turns out Jamal Murray was the far better player. That may be the case with Keontae George as opposed to Colin Sexton, who was also a lottery pick, or THT, who was, who was young and is developed, and he got a big contract. And then maybe you can compare Chris Dunn and Jameer Nelson. Like Nelson was a good player back in the day, but he's not what he was. Chris Dunn looked looked like a solid player in the NBA last year, but at the start of the year, he was in the G League. Like you're not having unbelievable point guards here. So my point being is, even so, Jamal Murray, who's an all-star caliber player now and, and at every level thrived, still didn't play a ton. In sum, George has been splendid, but expecting him to inherit the reins and thrive is difficult if his top outcome uh, was Jamal Murray, and this happened. Like, Jamal Murray is the, the outcome that I thought he could have, and that's why I put uh, Keontae George last summer when I made my first board number seven. Uh, and this is a good class. That was a really high ranking. 
And it's because Keontae George maximizes his outcome if he plays like Jamal Murray. If he's a point guard, he's far more valuable than he is as a two guard. So I'm going to tell you coming up about two two guards that that do have the ball in their hands that had similar um, that they they did those two players did not have similar paths to Keontae George, but Keontae George, if he maximizes his outcome, could have a similar role to these type of players as a scorer. That's not enormous. And it, it, it's a rare archetype to be a star in that mold. And that's Bradley Beal and CJ McCollum to further illustrate my point about what Keontae George can be. But first, a message from Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes you look good. Like, that's the simple way to put it. Ever since I got my pair when I returned from the Combine, I've told you guys this before, I've lived in them. I wore them all day today. I played basketball in them today. I played I played golf in them the other day. They're, they're a slimmer fit through the thigh, and they give you a truly sculpted look. And every time I've worn them, uh, I've, they've asked, what are those? And I'm like, oh, bird dogs. I got them, and, and I brag about them all the time. And I also have some dressier pants that have been, uh, been popular when I've gone to a barbecue or something that's a little more dressier as opposed to athletic. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts and are made of a stiff rest- – they're like – they're not made of the stiff, restricting cotton you kind of get used to uh, with regular shorts. Bird dogs are are unbelievable. You can have the liner in, you can have the liner out, and they're comfortable in either, either way. Uh, Bird dogs also uses anti-stink, anti-sweat wicking technology that is a fabric that only bird dogs has that keeps you cool and dry all day long. It was 100 degrees and I golfed, wasn't sweating at all. Bird dogs is the best. So I, I would I would highly recommend you get some. And here's an offer for you guys. And I highly recommend you, you follow this offer and get yourself some bird dogs as well as a little special prize. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MBA or enter promo code locked on MBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. That's bird dogs slash locked on MBA or promo code locked on MBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. I have that tumbler as well, waiting for a good cause to use it. And I promise you, you're not going to want to take off the bird dogs once you get them. I know I haven't. I'm sad I have to wash them after playing basketball before this this episode because I don't know what I'm going to wear for golf tomorrow. It's a tough problem. We'll see what that happens. I'll let you know tomorrow. Welcome back to Locked on Jazz. I'm Leif Tulin with you here. Keontae George is still the topic, but let's talk about Bradley Beal and CJ McCollum as players he resembles a bit and how their careers began from prep to pro. Bradley Beal, he's a little more similar to what Jamal Murray was. Beal attended Chaminade College Preparatory School in St. Louis, Missouri. Jason Tatum also went there. That's their not, that's their tie. Uh, he competed for the U.S. in the in the 2010 FIBA Under-17 World Championship, winning the championship while averaging 18 per game. In addition to winning winning the tournament, Beal made the all-tournament team and won the MVP award. During his senior year at school at Chaminade, he scored 33 points per game, six rebounds, and three assists. At the end of Beal's senior season, he was named the 2011 Mr. Show Me Basketball which recognized him as the top high school player in the state of Missouri. He was also named the 2011 Gatorade National Player of the Year. That's the more impressive one. He was the fourth-ranked recruit in his class, according to rivals. Uh, The ESPN one was outdated for some reason. It wasn't pulling up well, but top five recruit. Beal finished the season as a freshman at Florida, averaging 15 points per game. He also helped his team advance the Elite Eight during the NCAA tournament before being ousted by Louisville. And Louisville made the Final Four. Uh, Beal was first team SEC as a freshman. That's really, really good. Keontae George was second team All Big 12. Also really, really good. Bradley Beal was the number three pick in uh, in the NBA draft. And 
on April 3rd of 2013, which is Bradley Bill's rookie year in the 12-13 season. Uh, he played 56 games at that point. He was named to the NBA All-Rookie Team and finished third in rookie uh, rookie of the year voting. That was Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal. So Beal is a bit of the top-end outcome, but he is a little bit different because he's a two-guard. Beal also had the luxury of having John Wall in place when he went to the Washington Wizards, and you know that's easier. Keontae George will have the luxury of not having an enormous burden to carry uh, right away, but it's a little different when you're trying to play the point guard like Keontae George is. Like Beal is a scorer, and that's what he is. Beal, as a rookie, shot, and I compared Jamal Murray's stats, and I said they weren't great because Jamal Murray was 40% from the field, 33 from three. He's a tremendous shooter. Bradley Beal is a great scorer, even better than what Jamal Murray is as a scorer. And Beal is 41% shooting the ball from the field, 39% from three, averaging 14 a game as a rookie. That's really good. Like I said, he had John Wall, big distinction. That's prime John Wall, for those of you who don't know. The reason I bring this up is Beal is an amazing scorer, and George George can score in similar ways to what the way Beal does, like using uh, guile and, and shooting ability to be his his best attribute, scoring the ball, like catching, attacking closeouts, finding the mid range, spot up and shooting. Really good shooters, but Beal scored thirty in the NBA, thirty per game. That is not just cracked the thirty point threshold a few times, but a lot of times to average that, and he's been a three time All Star. You may think, okay, like he led the league in scoring. Like that's pretty hard to be. It is, but three-time all-star for that level of score, that shows how the how difficult it is. Like the difficulty in skill-oriented, slightly smaller scoring guards uh, to be that good is, is enormous. So it makes the utmost necessity for Keontae George to become a point guard to maximize his potential. Uh, and, and it makes him as valuable as possible to the Utah Jazz. And he's, uh, he's alluded to that's what, that's what he's working on. Now, C.J. McCollum, slightly different path, and I think he's more of the ilk of Keontae George. It just so happened he played with Damian Lillard, who's a supernova, and played the point guard. So he did play two guard, but now he's playing point guard with the Pelicans, and I think George could model his game a little after a kind of wily vet in C.J. McCollum. C.J. wasn't a highly uh, dec- decorated or highly recruited player coming out of high school, and he went to Lehigh, and everyone knows Lehigh beat Duke. Like that, that's the claim to fame. And it was CJ McCollum who was responsible for that. And I'll get to that. Here's some accolades. He was the leading freshman scorer in the nation. The first player in the Patriot league history to be named conference player of the year and rookie of the year at the same time. He was also an associated press, honorable, all American McCollum led the mountain Hawks as they're called to the 2010 NCAA tournament, where he put up 26 points in a first round loss to a top seeded Kansas team. Okay. Pretty good. As a junior, I skipped a sophomore year, sophomore year. He was really good. He got second place in uh, conference play of the year, but junior year is a little more fun to read in his junior campaign. McCollum again earned Patriot league player of the year, as well as third straight first team, all conference in 2012 is senior year. The mountain Hawks beat the Duke blue devils. Or sorry. That, that that's this junior year. Still the mountain Hawks beat the Duke blue devils 75 70 in the school's first ever victory in the NCAA division one tournament during which McCollum posted a game high 30 points. And this marked only the sixth time in history of the tournament that a 15 had beaten the two that's happened more times since, but that was a momentous occasion. CJ McCollum was officially on the map, not just by, you know, really good NBA scouts, but uh, he became a household name at that point. So if you look at his accolades, just overall, he was a two time player of the year in the Patriot league, three time, first team, all Patriot league, three time Patriot league, all tournament team, Patriot league tournament, MVP, Patriot League Rookie of the Year, and the Patriot League's all-time leading score, 2,361 points. That's impressive. That is impressive. Okay, 
the reason I bring all that up, the dude can score. Keontae George can score, and he's shown it early and often. Then when uh, C.J. McCollum was drafted 10th overall, like, like we know, Keontae George slipped to 16, and the Jazz are happy he did. Thought about picking him ninth overall. Like that was that was a real discussion in the Jazz front office. So he sized he signed his rookie deal, and then he proceeded to play for them in the summer league, averaging twenty one and four. That seems similar to what Keontae George is. I know I know he scored fifty nine through two games, and I'm well aware that's closer to thirty than twenty. But uh, you know it, it's likely regression is going to happen because shooting that well is is unlikely. But I'm all for it if he does. Like um, I'm rooting for it. Don't don't blame me. But just statistics would would indicate it's unlikely. McCollum's first two seasons, he played 100 NBA games, and he started just three of them, averaging six points and seven points per game in year one and two. Year three, he won most improved player of the year and scored 21 points per game. Remember what I was telling you guys yesterday? That Keontae George, what matters for the Jazz is what he is by year three, maybe after a really nice end of year one. Maybe he ingratiates himself to the Jazz front office. They believe we have to put the ball in his hands because he's going to be the dude and he's going to start year two. That's, that's possible. But I told you the jazz, if you give him truth to him, I think they want him and Taylor Hendricks ready to compete and be part of the jazz that have a chance to compete at, at a higher level than where they are right now by year three and four. And that's, that's what's important. So CJ McCollum's pathway of starting sparingly playing fewer minutes Seven point six and seven points per game in year one and year two, and then year three is twenty one per game. Oh boy, would the Jazz take that? Maybe there's a little more more starts, especially in year two for Keontae George. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's more uh, playing time that opens up. But opportunity grooming and Damian Lillard allowed for CJ McCollum to take that leap. And these guys, even the guys who are top options, like CJ McCollum, wasn't the top option because Damian Lillard is that good. But he took over playoff series at numerous occasions. He's a deadly scorer, and Keontae George would, would be a an absolute success story if he had had similar production to what uh, CJ McCollum is. The fact that he's going to play point guard sooner in his career bodes well. I think there's a chance that Keontae George can be an all star, um, unlike what CJ McCollum has been. I know Jamal Murray hasn't been either, and like you're like, oh, you're telling me about all these non all stars. That these are tremendous players. Like Jamal Murray's an all star player. He is. George is a talented guard who can score, but he'll need to learn the point guard. Like, he's not quite a point guard yet. He's, he's showing he can do it at the summer league, but there's a lot of rigors at the NBA level uh, to where to, to really succeed. And the, and the way they can do that is ease him in. Don't throw him in the deep end and, and have him fight through these struggles. Have him play more and more incrementally. If he succeeds, then, then you know, give him, give him a little more rope. Um, the Jazz want him to be where he can be by year three. That's the goal. He's ahead of schedule, but don't expect the level of immediate production. Like I just talked about excellent players and Jamal Murray and CJ McCollum combined for 10 starts in, in that, in that period. Like it's pretty crazy. Like that just doesn't happen. Uh, like one of them was a point guard. They started 10 in their, in their first two years combined. They started 10 games. Like, don't expect Keontae George to be ready to to handle the rock and handle the rigors of an NBA role for a team that has playoff aspirations right away, despite dominating the summer league. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do. That's that's the point. These guys are excellent players. And if he doesn't dominate right away, don't think he's a bust. Like, you got to temper your expectations because these guys needed time to grow. Keontae George will need time to grow. The fact he's ahead of schedule is encouraging because you might get to see him this year. 
because it's not a bust season where you'd just be like, oh, we'll, we'll throw them out there and we'll develop. Interesting. It, it's really interesting to look at those type of players. I was surprised when I was digging through some stats for that. So those are some statistics. I told you not all the geeky numbers of usual would be gone. These weren't super geeky, but, you know, they're dug up through some archives. So coming up next, I'll touch on exactly that. If the team is intending to be good, what? how good? How good can the, the Jazz be? Just how good can they be? And I'll tell you where they rank in the hierarchy of the loaded Western Conference. But first, a word from Ibotta. Or excuse me, first a word from BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. And honestly, that there are times where the stress gets the better of you and you think, wow, I wish I had someone to vent to. Well, now you could. Now you can. Um, but when we spend all our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. You know, it, that's, that's a natural occurrence. Burnout is real. Therapy can give you all the tools and for more, to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists for any time. If, you, if it, for some reason it doesn't work, you can switch any time and find another one, and there is no additional cost for switching your therapist. Just fill out the brief questionnaire and get matched with a therapist of your choice, and then you can explore other options if you don't feel a connection. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And let me tell you about intercap lending. That's another thing that can be very helpful. Intercap Lending is one of the largest independent loaning, uh, loaning comp- lending companies. Excuse me. They're hyper-responsive. They embrace change and are extremely experienced. Like Those are all phenomenal attributes for, for anyone who's providing a help. And this service has, has the experience to be phenomenal, but they treat you like you're brand new and, have, and like they need you as a customer. But in fact, they have 44 states. It's not just a Utah thing, but that's how good they make you feel. They, they, they treat you like it's a small company, even though they're enormous and they have an amazing success. That's why they have such good success. You'll develop and build and maintain a long-term relationship with them, and it makes their interactions the best for the customer. That's for you. They'll, they'll make it perfect for you, and they'll service your loan. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer for Locked on Jazz. Call him at 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Make sure you tell him you're part of the Locked on Jazz listeners and get a corporate discount. Intercap Lending, NM, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Welcome back into Locked on Jazz. Leaf to lean with you here. And now comes the time to say where I anticipate the Jazz landing in the Western Conference. All right. I mentioned Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to give them the top spot just for, for winning. I'm not saying this is what I think the rankings will be or the standings will be at the end of the year. This is just in terms of like the danger that a team possesses, in my opinion, in my evaluation, uh, when, when they make the playoffs. Uh, I think the tier below them as teams that can be potentially dangerous and have the capacity to beat the team to beat, which is the Nuggets, would be the Grizzlies, the Suns, and the Clippers. I'll give the rationale for each of them. The Grizzlies are young, but have done it numerous times. John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain are all max contract players. They're young. Um, they have chemistry. They've been here before. Dylan Brooks was becoming a bit of a distraction for this team, and maybe it is 
an addition by subtraction. I, I don't think this team's truly, truly a contender, but I think they're in the tier below uh, with the, the true contenders. Now I'll give you two teams that I think have all the weapons in the world to win it, but they have shortcomings. That's the Suns and the Clippers. The Suns sacrificed depth when they made a trade. Mikel Bridges obviously flourished in uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets system, but the Suns got Kevin Durant. Devin Booker was unbelievable with Kevin Durant. Now, now you've got Bradley Beal, who I just mentioned was a 30-point scorer in the NBA as your third option. Come on, that team's dangerous. Now, how they supplement those players, I'm not sure. And how Monty Williams is replaced, I, I'm not sure. I think Monty Williams is one of the best coaches. And honestly, if I were to bet, he might be my favorite to win Coach of the Year for the Detroit Pistons. So the Suns are extremely dangerous. The LA Clippers, a team that's really well built, and if they were healthy, I think could have been one of the, the favorites to win this last championship. That's a big question. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, a lot of health issues, but they're long, rangy, defensively very stout, and they play modern NBA basketball to a T where it's positionless. So that would be one through four in terms of the teams I think are the most dangerous. I would say the Kings, Lakers, Warriors, Thunder, and maybe even the Timberwolves probably at their peak are more dangerous than the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Kings have De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and the experience gained from last year where they just were inept at rebounding the basketball. Uh, I, I think they'll get better, and they were just the third seed in the West. It's hard to imagine the Jazz take a leap and are better than them right away. Okay, the Lakers just made the Western Conference Finals. I know LeBron James got a year older. I know he's just denied father time for a long, long time. But Father Time's undefeated. That makes the, the the Lakers' hopes hinge on players' health. That one of them is going to be 39 years old, and the other one, Anthony Davis, is significantly injury prone. The Lakers rounded out their roster in a way that I actually think is impressive, and they they may have gotten better, but they're so heliocentric around those two stars that uh, it, it's it's difficult to put so much faith in them. But I will say they're more dangerous. The Warriors, they have Stephen Curry. I think that makes them more dangerous. And the the wherewithal of how to win, I'm curious to see how Chris Paul works. I'm curious to see as an aging Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Chris Paul around Steph Curry, how they build a team that that does put themselves in contention to win it all. Because they, they may be able to coast during a regular season, but it's hard to win on the road in the playoffs. And, and I, I just don't know if they win enough games immediately enough. And, but I would give them the benefit of the doubt over the jazz just because they've been there and done that. And I know they've got some growing pains to do, but they do have established veterans who've been there and done that and have won multiple championships for the most part. The Oklahoma city thunder are the young team that I think is ahead of the jazz. Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than Lowry Markman. He's, Young, he's going to be the star of that team. Jalen Williams is phenomenal. Chet Holmgren supplements them and adds something in having a rim protector who also can score. The other Jalen Williams from Arkansas is also a sturdy big. Cason Wallace adds something to them as a rookie. And then I, how do I not mention Josh Giddy, Lou Dort? Uh, this team, I think, is on the precipice of actually contending. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think they may be a year away, maybe two years away from truly contending. But I think this team is going to surprise people. I think Mark Daniels is a significantly underrated coach. The Timberwolves. I mean, I want the Jazz to be better than Timberwolves, and I want the Timberwolves to give the Jazz good picks. That said, Anthony Edwards is a is a, a guy who's 
breaking down the door of being a star. Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, for all their lumps is not necessarily fitting together conducively. They are both established players, and this team has become more veteran. Jaden McDaniels uh, is – I've mentioned him before. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Wish he were on the Jazz. Uh, but he's an all-defensive player, and I thought he was the biggest snub of any award this past year was him not on the all-defensive first team, much less the second team. But that's a that's a core that I think if you put them in a playoff series probably performs better than the Utah Jazz right now. So that's where the Jazz land. That would be 10 if I counted them all in terms of the most dangerous teams. That is not my projected standings. I think the Jazz likely, likely end up within the top eight because Will Hardy pushes right buttons. This team got more talented. And while the season was going last year, while they still had Mike Conley and the depth that was was necessary and conducive for winning, the Jazz were winning basketball games. Uh, it's, it's when injuries happened. It's when trades happened. The Jazz fell off. I think uh, the Jazz make the playoffs and may even avoid the play-in. I just don't think they've got the, the capacity, the weapons to win a series because a lot of their best players haven't played in playoff series, and that's something that really concerns me. And it's not like it's Paolo Bancaro, a, a guy who's ready to be an absolute star, who's super young, and it's their first time. Like Lowry Markinen, last time he played in the playoffs – um, or it was a play-in, excuse me. He was he was a third option. Now he's the first option. John Collins has played in the playoffs, and he's performed well in there, but he was playing as a supplementary option to a guy who created enormous attention in Trey Young, and they made a deep run that was surprising to the Eastern Conference Finals. Walker Kessler, not played in the playoffs. Uh, Colin Sexton, not played in the playoffs. THT, same idea. Ochag Baji. Jordan Clarkson is the only guy with a significant experience, and so I just think it's really hard to truly believe the Jazz can win a series because in order to win a series in the Western Conference, you've got to beat another team in the top four. And I don't know if there's a way the Jazz can beat the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Clippers, much less some of those teams that I think are closer to the Jazz's tier where they land in the fifth, fifth, sixth area. It's just it's harder for me to imagine. So I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I really do think the Jazz are, are going to contend. They're going to make the playoffs, and I'll be at those games, and I'll be cheering my heart out. And – I just don't I just don't know if I have the faith to believe the Jazz are ready to contend at a level that would indicate, you know what, let's make a win now move. The Jazz are ahead of the schedule. They've got a window that's wide. They've got young talent and picks and money. So there's no reason to fret. This being ahead of schedule is not a bad thing. You may think, oh, it's a purgatory because the Jazz aren't winning right now uh, and they're not losing enough right now. But I think it's very good, and especially as a young guys like Keontae George, as Taylor Hendricks, if they get some experience at that level, that's awesome because what they need to be is ready in two years when the Jazz are ready with this core to really compete and really contend as some of these other teams age out or their players leave. The Jazz can stay connected, stay cohesive, and truly contend. So that's what I think happens to win a series. You got to beat, beat one of those top teams. And I just don't think there's the, the weaponry to do so right now. Let me know what you think about that in the comments below as well. I know that's not the question of the day, but I'm curious to think where you, where you think the jazz end in terms of the standings or more, more specifically where they rank in terms of the, the teams that can actually cause problems in the playoffs, because that's where my, that's where my doubt happens. Whereas the regular season, I think is a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, That'll do it for today's Locked On Jazz. Thank you to the everydayers. Tomorrow we'll have some more summer league review. We're gonna we're gonna dive into some more geeky numbers as usual. 
And if you if you haven't caught summer league analysis from those guys at Locked On NBA Big Board, Richard Stamen and Rafael Barlow, two great guys I attended the combine with, and they are at the Las Vegas Summer League right now. Definitely tune into them. Make your second listen. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. And as always, go Jazz.